Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello. How's it going? E3's over, so we can relax. Exactly. Last week did seem a little bit, like, hectic. There was just so much going on. There were so many reveals and, and so many things to get somewhat excited about, at least from a cinematic perspective. So uh, this week was much, much quieter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so quiet that I think we played a couple of narrative games, but I did want to give a shout out to the fact that both you and I got a chance to play Heroes of the Storm last night, uh, which we both haven't played in quite some time. Yeah, I think I haven't played since Christmas and you haven't played. We decided probably longer than that because <laughs> you still had the Halloween mount on. So I have to assume that you change your transmog seasonally. So. I do. I'm a very, uh, I, I, it usually takes me a game to realize I'm, I'm wearing the wrong shoes outside. So yeah, I, I switch over to the proper mount. But yeah, Halloween sounds about right because I remember skipping over the, the kids event, which was essentially like, christmas to february uh and we were playing i think they have the anime you know battle robots insert name i don't know what manga we could reference but gundam yeah uh that sort of event's going on now but uh, we played we played about three games and i thought it was okay it's pretty good it's a fun game still i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean uh heroes is heroes it's uh still a good experience i mean i didn't feel overpowered i didn't feel underpowered i thought mm-hmm. we had a you know good game experience we were at about 50 percent. like as garrett and i stuck around and played a couple games a couple more games after you left mm-hmm. and it was like we'd win one we'd lose one we'd win one we'd lose one and you know there was only one game that we got absolutely steamrolled so i was just like yeah and like it, it's still it's still a super fun game um i haven't played since they added anduin and I think um, he's the only one that they've added since the last time I played. Yeah. Uh, Anduin, so, and wasn't there like a Diablo character? The, um, one of the angels, I can't remember his name, but he never popped up when we were playing. Anduin yeah, did. I know. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Anduin was all over the place, but um, I'm, I am also blanking on which angel it was from Diablo, but there definitely was that character as well. So yeah, two characters since the last time I played, because last time I played was the kid event back in February. So, mm-hmm. or well, probably closer to Christmas actually. Yeah. But I remember like that was the last time I was super into Heroes and I really was enjoying it playing through that kid event and going around the game board. And then it's like, you can do the game board again. And I was like, yay, but there's not as many rewards. And I was like, boo. Yeah. And the event, I think the event they're working on right now, uh, it was weird because I, I think this is the first time I've come in and they've got that whole the new quest hub system kind of thing. And I think that was the same for the board game one in that you yeah, kinda, you could choose. Yeah, yeah it was it was interesting and honestly i think it was a cool way to kind of like oh i'm gonna play as these heroes you know assassins and i'm gonna go after like the assassin arm of fixing the mecha whatever robot i don't know yeah <laughs> um but it was it was a lot of fun i'm, I'm glad i i had suggested it because honestly it'd been so long i think after when they announced the the cadence change uh it kind of took the wind out of, I think, a lot of casual players' sails. Like, you were, I, I'd, I'd put you and I on the same, like, probably, maybe not the exact same interest level for Heroes of the Storm, but I think now we kind of have that same level of interest. And when you kind of announce that you're, you're, you're spinning down the wheels of a game, it's like, oh, okay, well, 
I will go elsewhere. Yeah, it's like it's like maintenance mode, right? So it's it's the kind of thing where like if Heroes was your only game, your main game, then it's probably something you were going to stick with anyways because you really like that gameplay loop. But if you were someone like me who is like has a couple of main games already, like WoW and Hearthstone, and you're kind of just looking for the third thing to rotate in and out, then you're probably not going to stick with something like Heroes. Well, there's oh, so Thrall. many active. Thrall says hi. Oh, hello, Thrall. <laughs> Uh, there's so many active games as a service that when one is put into maintenance mode, it's like, okay, well, clearly this is this is this is not happening anymore, you know? Yeah. But yeah, had fun. It was good. I just figured it was worth a mention. Oh, hundred percent. The other thing I've been doing a lot of uh, this past week was uh, playing again. I think I've talked about this quite a few times the last few weeks, but Dead by Daylight. Uh, they had it's the third anniversary event going on right now, and they had a double XP event essentially oh nice um so yeah i played a whole lot of that to level up a bunch of my characters so now do you buy all the d i saw that uh the guy the killer from scream is now in the game yes ghostface was just added this past tuesday so that was the other big piece of dead by daylight content that was announced and uh they announced as part of their third anniversary stream uh like a roadmap for the for the next year and there's a there's a lot of stuff a lot of changes coming particularly uh, sometime in the next couple of months, they're going to be making changes to our biggest pet peeve when it comes to playing with friends that you get kicked out of the party at the end of every match. So oh. they're literally putting party management into Dead by Daylight. Nice. In, in year three. Yeah. <laughs> I guess year, year four, because it's the third anniversary. So <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. And I, I mean, I yeah, I'm, yeah. Glad they're, I'm glad they're doing it because it's a pain in the ass. Oh my God. It was always such a pain in the butt. Like, just, I yeah. want to, I want to keep playing with my friends. I mean, the game might think I want to, you know, move on, but it's only been one match and it wasn't that bad. Come on. Well, it's so funny because it's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, it feels like the lack of a, uh, not system, the lack of a feature is almost to discourage like playing with friends on ladder. But it's like, if you don't want me to play with friends on ladder, then don't let me play with friends on ladder, but let me party up with friends and play in like a survive with friends mode or something. So like it was this really weird in between where it's like, they're not quite telling me they don't want to do this, but they're making it super hard to do this. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah, but they are. So yeah, they're, they're putting party management into dead by daylight in the next couple months. So uh, we should, we should play when they implement that. Agreed. No, I'd love to play. It's been a while. And I think it's coming to switch at some point. Like it's not out for switch. It is, yeah. It's uh, currently out for PC, Xbox, and PlayStation and is coming to the Switch uh, soon. I'm not 100% sure on that date, but soon. <laughs> I think it's part of the Xbox Game Pass as well. So if you have Xbox Game Pass, I don't think it's part of the PC Game Pass, but if you have Xbox Game Pass, you can play Dead by Daylight as part of your subscription. So Yes, yeah. Cool. So, so yeah, you guys should all uh, go check it out and hit me up if you ever feel like playing because uh, I usually just play by myself. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, but, I mean, outside of the stuff that we've kind of uh, gone back to, we've also played a couple new things. And, Ryan, you touched on, or I guess played through and finished this first title? Yeah. So I finished uh, Drogon, which is a first-person narrative game. Uh, some listeners might be familiar with the Dreamfall series. Uh, I think their latest release or last release was Dreamfall Chapters. It's by those same developers. And it's a, uh, it's a, like I said, a narrative game, and I was able to finish it in a couple sittings. It's very short, I'd say about two to three hours, which was nice. I mean, we mentioned at the start of the show, like, coming off Days Gone, 
coming off of E3, I was kind of, I don't want to start another video game, but I want to be able to start and finish a game just to kind of have that palette cleanser of all the noise and lights and zombies and, yeah, and all the all the super big experiences right you want something a little bit more snack size exactly so drogan is definitely snack size and it's a nice sort of slow mild exploration elements twisted in and and there's it's a very smaller game in that the the area you come into at the start of the game so basically you play as edward who's this i don't know if he's like just a a loner scientist or sort of a, a book type person and it's set in the 1920s and you come to this small village uh, somewhere in the Netherlands. You, you literally cl- cross a fjord by by boat, uh, by paddle, and uh, and you're joined by your your young ward Lissy, and she is what I thought would be the most annoying part about this game. <laughs> uh, she is very like when you picture the cartoon version of the 1920s, you know, like oh, sir, madam. Uh, Jiminy Jillikers, you know, that sort of thing. I'm trying to think of the words she used. She never said those things, but she'd like constantly, like old bean would be something she'd say a lot of. And I thought like, I don't know what they're doing here, but this, this could be annoying. Uh, And, you know, she grows on you. You know, she's the, the young person to your old, old guy. Like you're literally walking up the hill at the start when you get to this area and you're, you have the option to rest on many a things. And every time you rest with this giant suitcase, your young ward like kind of yells at you like, hey, I'm already up here. What's taking so long? I thought it was going to be annoying, but she, she really does grow on you. But the reason you've arrived at this strange village is you're looking for your sister, Betty. And you believe that she arrived here. You received a letter from uh one of the inhabitants of the village saying like oh i'm sorry you can't find your sister but if she's here you know come on out and we'll try to help you find her and so that's why you're there that's the motive for going there but when you get there it's empty and i think that's where you get this really strong gone home vibe in Mm. the sense that there's nobody around and i think that that's where I think there's some cool stuff here. Like the visuals are very cool. I really like the story, but it's a tough one to recommend for a few reasons. A couple of them are like spoiler related, which we're not going to get into because again, it's so short. I would I would not want to spoil this for anybody. Um, is it like spoiler related in terms of like story beats that don't make sense or like uh, uh, can not... you can you tell me the nature of the problem as opposed to exactly what the story beat is? The story beats I think make sense. If, uh, I think they make sense to me, they made sense. And, you know, uh, that to elaborate further would be a spoiler. However, I believe there is some story related stuff in terms of a beginning, middle and end that could frustrate some, uh, you know, and that's all (laughs) spoiler alert guys by some, he means me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, I would. Off air, I, like if you are not going to play this game, I, I mean, maybe maybe you shouldn't. But I, uh, because the other thing too is, like I said, gone home, you get that strong vibe. So essentially, you come to this village, it's empty, and it's not like everyone disappeared comfortably. You know, there are some signs of struggle, we'll say, and it, it, it the game starts off with you arriving at this home, and you're like, oh, where's the family that I've been writing to? And that's where the strong gone home vibes come because I know you were yeah. really you you were really freaked out by like being in this home alone and and i think that they early on in the game you do feel that that yeah uh, well that's that was the thing with gone home right is that with gone home i 
was expecting a supernatural element. And mm -hmm. so the fact that you're exploring what's supposed to be your childhood home, but it's happening at night and there's a thunderstorm and some of the lights don't work and there's flickery things. Like I, I thought, cause I had, I'd gone spoiler free into gone home. I thought that there was some sort of supernatural element. So I was expecting like ghosts and mirrors behind me and, and things like that. So it took me a much, much, much longer time to play through gone home than it, probably should have because <laughs> yeah. I was constantly I mean there were some jump scares and gone home but it was always like things that would be scary if you were in a big house all alone at night in a thunderstorm like <laughs> doors banging open or you know like things like that things falling over and yeah stuff like that mm -hmm. big yeah. loud noises out of nowhere <laughs> yeah and that's the thing like I think that would that would be strike number one for you is that there is a very strong gone home vibe at the very beginning with these empty homes and, and essentially a, an entire empty village so you mm -hmm. feel that sense of like this game is not giving me the impression that people are still here however i know video games and around that corner there could be something that just jumps out yes. and uh <laughs> again like i think to experience it yourself is worthwhile because again it's such a short game that i would i would I wouldn't want to spoil it. And, and it's only, I think it's 20 bucks on Steam Canadian. Uh, I played it on Steam and I, I did really like it. I did really like the story. It's got a very interesting story. I think the setup is really cool. It's got a very good like second act sort of uh, story stuff. Again, I don't want to spoil it. But I think like, you know, from a complete structure point, there are some, there are some weak points near the end. Um, but I really liked the beginning and the middle portions of this game, um, and I I don't know, I don't know what they could have done better. I think like the way they had to end it, they ended it, and that's fine. But uh, yeah, I think from a from a narrative experience, the the first two hours are really really good and really strong, and it's such a short experience that like you can just kind of power through. Like the ending is yeah. terrible, but like it's just not as strong as the beginning and the middle. I think. But, Fair enough. Uh, yeah, no, I really like Drogon. And again, like it's 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 an inexpensive game. It's a short game. If you're looking for a good palate cleanser, I think that, and it looks beautiful. Again, like they've really nailed that. Uh, you remember the vanishing of Ethan Carter? Like, um, yes, yeah, like that that look and feel, but applied to like a Norse sort of 1920s esque village. You know, in the mountain ranges and the fjords and just the wind. I've and music. seen I've seen some uh, screenshots and mm -hmm. it, it does look like a beautiful game, um, which some of these some of these narrative experiences tend to get like paint painterly. I guess is a, is a good word for it. it. They have very artistic backgrounds because that you never really have to have your player interact with the background too mm -hmm. much. They're they're so on rails and they're so limited with where your player can go that they can just like paint a background and make it super beautiful without ever having to worry about actual gameplay mechanics interacting with it. So, yeah, like everything's on for the most part everything in the game is on rails. Like you're never actually like directly interacting with anything. You're clicking a button and your character is doing the animation. Uh you're you're interacting that way. So, basically like you're walking, running and kind of interacting and then your character carries out all those beats. Uh, from then on so like it's not a it's not a very advanced game there's no there's no puzzles in it it's really just a progression experience the story and then there's a couple extra side things like for achievements and stuff like i found a piano in the house and i can play it like that sort of thing you know little yeah. easter eggs but no no puzzles it's just 
you know, moving on from one area to the next. And I think there, there's a really cool mechanic in the sense, like, it's not a huge world, but it's big enough that if you forgot the objective, you might be like, oh, what am I supposed to do next? Like, you can hit a button that just, like, you call out to your to Lissy, your young warden, and she basically yells from wherever she is and say, like, hey, I'm up at the church. And then you <laughs> see a little wavy thing that shows you, oh, she's, she, you know, maybe I don't know where the church is, but I can clearly tell based on the fact that she's, there's this little, like, sound wave coming from up near the church. And it, it, it's yeah. very effective, for sure. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, the second little game that we, well, I guess little, I, I haven't played all the way through to the end, so I'm not 100% sure how much game time we're actually talking here. But the second title we took a look at this week is called Observation. And Observation is a game that's based on a space station that when you boot up the game, the space station has been hit with some kind of disaster. And you're not really sure what's going on, and you're not really sure uh, like who or what your character is until the game kind of kicks off, and then it's revealed that you play as the AI computer in all of this, which is really kind of cool. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting concept. And so you are aiding the... I, can't, I think her name is Emma... Um, You're aiding the astronaut in the kind of figuring out what's gone wrong, figuring out what's going on with your code. And very, very early on in the game, they give you like diagnostic tools and stuff. So you realize that, you know, first of all, it seems like somebody's messing with your programming and most of your memory is lost or corrupted. And it's, it's a really cool idea for a game, I think. And... I wish I had played more, but I'm going to be 100% honest about this. I found the controls to be extremely difficult to use. Like, they just, they weren't really intuitive. They were slow moving. Like, because you're the AI, you have access to all of the cameras in the different modules of the space station. So you can, like, jump around to different rooms and see what's going on. And... Then you can like pan the camera to see more of the room and each room in general had three different cameras. So three different angles from which you could view the room. But just like panning the camera back and forth and up and down was so slow and mouse movement too. It made me feel like I had my DPI set to like 10 because my mouse was moving like so slowly around the screen. And I was just like, oh, man, this is this is not the easiest way to uh, or interface to, to interact. And maybe it was meant to do that. Maybe it was meant to, to be a little bit off putting because the game definitely has a like sinister vibe to it. But um, but yeah, like mm-hmm. so that was my very first impression of observation. But Ryan, what did you think? Yeah, I played a little bit of this. I think I got uh, a little bit farther. I got to the post sort of gameplay title screen drop. And the game does have that really cool aesthetic if you're into it, like that 20, um, the uh, Space Odyssey, 21st century, I don't know, the, the Space Odyssey movie. You, you definitely get like that's their sort of inspiration. And you're right, like you're controlling the cameras and they do move very slowly. Uh, you're controlling them. I was controlling them with WASD, but yeah, the mouse. Yeah, so was I. Yeah, and it moves very slowly. Uh, and Even, like when I'm talking about like mouse movement, like you had to do mouse movement in when you went into like your basically like your map. I can't remember exactly what they called it. Yeah. Um, no, like yeah. your operator, but yeah, the basically the map of the space station when you were going like from room to room and stuff, mm-hmm. just moving my mouse 
from one room to the next. I was like, why is this taking so long? Why does this feel like I'm moving through honey or something? Well, you know what it felt like? It felt like they were also emulating like old school computers because yeah. you, you know nowadays with when when mice move on screen it's very fluid it's very it feels one to one but i mm. remember like in the and again i'm either going to make people feel older than me or make people feel younger than me but i'm going to do it anyways <laughs> i apologize in advance but windows 3.1 again everyone either you know whatever it knows what that is or doesn't yeah and windows 3.1 you feel like you're playing a game in there because the way the mouse moves it's almost like a deliberate lag and i wonder if there would be an accessibility uh setting that you could look at to to disable Maybe. that and i wonder Maybe. and that would make a lot of sense because again like a lot of people would find that jarring and other people like me would find it part of the experience you know it never really well it bothered did me. seem it did seem very purposeful, like all of it, just like it was meant to be off-putting. It was meant to give you the feeling of what it, it would be like to be an AI with, you know, most of its systems disrupted. Like it, it made perfect sense. It just like from a practical gameplay perspective was uh, was super jarring in a way that wasn't enjoyable. So that was kind of the first piece. And you mentioned there, it seems like they're trying to emulate old school computing. It's also, so you're, you're in a space station with, that has been through some sort of accident. There's like debris floating around, there's fires, there's problems. She can't, uh, Emma, who you're trying to help, can't find any of the other astronauts that are supposed to be on the space station with her. So there's just all kinds of problems. And so you're getting like, sounds of things like old school computing so like modemy type sounds mm -hmm. you're getting like glitch sounds is the is the um best word i can think of to describe it as well as like static and feedback and all of these cuz i i'll admit i only played this game for probably half an hour 40 minutes and part of that time was just like i couldn't figure out one of the puzzles because up until that point, you'd been looking for like laptops and switches mm -hmm. and it asked you to turn something on and there was no laptop or switch or anything. It, you just had to look at the thing that you were supposed to turn on, but it wasn't immediately obvious. So I spent like 10 minutes swapping cameras and painfully adjusting my viewing angle with WASD to try to find a thing in the room that would light up. Right. And that was just excruciating. <laughs> so uh, that combined with all of the like old school glitchy computer sounds, it was just like those sounds to me were like nails on a chalkboard. And I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know if it was like the frequency of it or if it was like the combination of all of the different like computer is failing type sounds. I don't know what it was, but I was just sitting there like playing the game with like bad chills running down my spine because of these noises and they were like constant like it never stopped no so, they they lay it on thick in the yeah. this ai is is not doing okay yeah <laughs> uh, and the space station is also not doing okay uh, they're very early on in the game they they make it very oh, clear plus there was the alarm there was the the fire oh, yeah. alarm that was going off constantly and you had to wait for emma like 
Because as the AI, you can just jump from room to room with no kind of lag or anything. So she's at one end of the space station. The fire's at the other. You can instantly jump there, but she's got to go through like six airlocks. And the whole time you're just sitting there and it's like, eh, eh, eh. I'm like, oh my God, why is Like, this lady, happening? float faster. What are you exactly. doing? There's a fire in the space station. Exactly. And she's just like, doobity-doo, I'm just going to... You know, I've, I mean, we've all seen Apollo 11. You can flow faster, okay? <laughs> Tom Hanks did it. You can do it. it it's fine. <laughs> no. I believe in you, Emma. You I, can just you can channel your inner Tom Hanks. Look, I don't want to space shame here, but I'm just saying. <laughs> um, no, I, I... But, you know, the aesthetics of this game and the fact that you're playing sort of this, this passive character um, as an AI, like especially early on in the game you don't have those direct interactions with things like you're always like computing and connecting with them so they reset you so you'd think like oh an ai has access to everything well no they basically wipe your memory so everything you do is like you're doing it for the first time so you have to connect with everything and like enter a pairing code and then then you can interact with the door you know yeah so they kind of do the metroid thing where they like they take all of your powers away at the start of the game um, yeah, and and I mean, like, I'm sure that ha- that has Which to be is done. Fine. It's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and that and that's the thing. I I feel like observation has just such a cool vibe to it, and such a cool concept. And I feel like they want me to be off put. I think they just leaned into it a little bit too hard to the point that I almost started to like, I almost just muted the game sounds and just played with like because I I always play with subtitles on in video games, anyways. Because sometimes there's there's things that I, I just miss, like I'm playing late at night, so my volume's really low, or, or sometimes things are just garbled and hard to understand, sometimes there's accents, whatever the mm-hmm. reason, I usually just enable subtitles because it just makes things easier. Um, so I was I almost kept playing this game just with the sound like muted off completely because it was so, so off-putting to me. But then the combination of even with the sound very low slash off, I was like, oh man, that that still doesn't fix the the mush marshmallow feel of these controls. So um, I, I want to. I almost feel like I might just go find some YouTube videos because uh, one of my favorite streamers actually played through this game and did like a I think like a ten part series on YouTube. I might just go watch him play because I feel like. I am not going to make it through this game, but I feel like there's a really cool story there because there's like a hook right at the very beginning when you first like meet Emma Mm -hmm. where there's like a moment where it seems like you're either like fully corrupted or someone is taking over your system or, you know, you're, you're receiving some kind of a signal and there's this really ominous message that pops up on your screen and then you get like fully reset, right? Because you realize that, you know, 95% of your memory is corrupted or something. So you do a full system reset with Emma. And so like there's there's clearly something super sinister and very wrong going on. And I want to know what that is. It's it's a story that's engaged me and pulled me in. But the uh, the gameplay itself has uh, made me turn away. So mm-hmm. Maybe I just need to be the one, like, not the one in control. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think, yeah, it's a game that you could easily experience through, uh, through Let's Play videos, you know, but I think that's one of the, that's one of those things about Let's Play videos is that if you're unable to, if you're unable to really get into the game, um, 
these are this is a type of game where you would literally experience the same thing i think yeah by watching someone play through it and i mean it's kind of a bummer is, but it's also not i get it like some people can't play every game i get that you know it is it is kind of interesting too because there there are a couple of decision points that I, that i've gotten to so far and i mean the the very first kind of interaction that you have with anything in the game is trying to decide if emma's voice print matches what you're expecting and you know you scan the voice print and it says like anomalies detected or something and you have to decide if you're going to accept it or not and so me as a player i was like well i'm a clearly failing ai and so i'm going to assume that the corruption is my fault and her voice print is fine but i'm really curious to know what happens if you choose like no this doesn't match screw you <laughs> mm-hmm no i i've been playing i've been playing straight up as like the ai like that's how i've been playing and in a so way did where... you did you choose at that very beginning that it didn't match oh i denied her yeah oh so what happened she just like ah oh, really like what the, what's wrong <laughs> and then she does it again and there's no audio garble and then it and then it passes so uh, the way the gameplay loop works is like yeah you're it's you are an ai so like, i think of you as a sophisticated seer you're always taking directions and she will, you can, if you miss her direction, you can ask her to repeat it. And then you go into like a, so basically she says like, oh, what's the damage report? You go into response mode, you mouse over the damage and then it's contextual. So you click on it and your AI guy will say like, oh, it's, it's There is 87% hull damage in quadrant B. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we effed, Emma. <laughs> Like, this ain't good. Uh, no, that's not what the AI sounds like. That is not what the AI no. sounds like he, at all. He's actually the voice actor from, I think we talked about, uh, I can't remember when we talked about it, but it's the voice actor from Vampire, the main character. Right, 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 right. Yeah, he doesn't sound like a vampire in this, but... No, not even a little. <laughs> but yeah, so again, that's observation. I picked this up for, I believe it was $7.50 Canadian on that big Epic Store... Uh, sale a few weeks back that we covered but mm -hmm. it's available for i believe around 20 dollars canadian on the epic store on steam on all the places so i i think i would recommend finding a let's play video and just watching it for about 20 minutes and see if it seems like something you'd like to do yeah because it's definitely not a traditional gaming experience which i think does work in its favor but i do hesitate to recommend it because like i said i found a lot of stuff really off-putting and frustrating and i mean just the sound alone was nails on a chalkboard for me so i i struggle to recommend it but it is a fairly cheap title and it seems like it's got quite a lot of hours to it i mean like i said my my favorite twitch streamer did a 10-part video series on it so clearly there's at least like 10 hours of gameplay so mm -hmm. definitely uh, uh worth your worth your 20 dollars or probably i would imagine 15 to 17 american so I, I would give this title a look because it has a compelling story and it's it's interesting to me even though i tend more towards the fantasy side of things as opposed to like the space science side of things when it comes to my fiction so yeah. but this definitely i i want to know what's going to happen and they they hooked me in wanting to know what was going to happen within like 10 minutes. So it, it is compelling for sure. Yeah, well, I, I think from from the gameplay side as well, like it's unique. I've not played anything yeah. quite like this. So I think 
if you check out the Let's Play, definitely stick to the 20 minutes to get the aesthetic feel of it. And if you're cool with what you're seeing, I think it's certainly worth checking out. Like, I've, again, I haven't finished it, but um, the post title screen drop and the scene that they put you in and, and the, the story progression, uh, I really like where it's going and the mystery of it. So, And they lay that mystery in thick because you are an AI that seems to be either failing or taken over. There's some weird stuff popping up on the screen. So I think there's... There's some mysteries to be solved mm-hmm. here. And I feel like it gives me kind of like Beholder, like original Beholder vibes mm-hmm. where like you're a character who's watching other characters and trying to figure out puzzles given the information that you have. Like it definitely gave me those kind of vibes. Yeah, you're not uh, you're not solving pu- like you're not having to solve logic puzzles with with missing information like everything in front of you is what you need to solve it so far from what i've played so yeah yeah it's really it's really good that way but yeah so again check out observation on all of the platforms Mm. (laughs) actually i shouldn't say all of the platform i'm at all of the pc platforms i don't actually know i'm gonna look it up really quick i think it is on xbox and ps4 but i could be wrong but I know I, uh, I know it's exclusive to the Epic Game Store. Ah, uh, okay. So uh, it definitely is available on PlayStation 4 uh, and Windows. So I guess not Xbox? <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe it is one of those PS4 exclusives. Console exclusive. Um, but yeah, it was just released on uh, May 21st. So uh, still a relatively new game. But uh, yeah, go and check it out. Uh, just a reminder, if you guys do like the content that we produce, head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support the show. We are currently looking for our June patrons. So if you would like to be thanked for the month of June, then please do go to patreon.com slash the gamers in. That brings us to our topic of the week this week. And, uh, this is, it's probably going to be a shorter show than normal, but (laughs) at the same time, like, I, I feel like there isn't necessarily a whole lot of discussion to happen around this. But, I mean, it's one of the things where, after all this time, EA was poised to just let Epic take over as the most hated gaming company by all gamers pretty much unanimously. And then they go and testify in a trial about loot boxes and call them completely ethical surprise mechanics. EA, why? Like, such a big facepalm. <laughs> so, basically, I mean, we, ta- we talked a little while ago about how there's uh, legislation in the states coming forward to essentially outlaw loot boxes unless your game is uh, mature rated, so 18 plus. And so there are that's that legislation is kind of uh following behind some other legislation that's happening in, over in Europe where in some cases loot boxes have already been um have already been banned that's caused Nintendo to pull their games out of different countries so the US is definitely not leading the way but they they probably have the uh strictest legislation that's being put forward but EA was uh testifying in I believe it was Belgium. Mm-hmm. And the question essentially was, do you think that loot boxes are ethical? And in about a minute and a half, <laughs> this EA rep managed to 
just make some of the most absurd statements I have ever heard. Like, just so basically she said that loot boxes in games, first of all, they don't call them loot boxes. They call them surprise mechanics. So she's trying to sell it as a mechanic in the video game that is wanted and exciting for the consumer. So she's saying this is this is a feature of the game that people want and enjoy because they're fun. Hmm. <laughs> and it's, so yeah. that that was part number 1 and then part number 2 was she said uh, that they were completely ethical. She had no ethical problems with the way that loot boxes were instituted in EA's games. They were specifically talking about FIFA. I guess even FIFA has loot boxes now, which I find totally oh, mind-blowing it's a no but, that's a huge part of fifa they have their um it's like a team mechanic it's like the fantasy team stuff so the way you build out your fantasy team is through these like loot cards so you get you buy the packs and then you unlock um specific character not characters they're real people <laughs> you unlock these soccer players it's, yeah it sounds funny talking about it from a fifa perspective right because every single like character in those games are based on actual human people that exist yeah. so it seems weird to call them like NPCs and stuff like no these are actual people who've yeah. been recreated in a video well, game. Mean, sports cards have been around forever so it's not like it's it shouldn't be this foreign thing to us but yeah, just the way yeah. I said it it made it sound anyways yeah so FIFA is like a major culprit and honestly like the major breadwinner for EA is the fantasy teams so it makes sense for them to come in here and and try to defend themselves but I think like the way it reads, it just sounds like somebody at a desk who doesn't understand the issue is trying to explain it away and treating these lawmakers like idiots. And Well, and trying to man. explain it away because obviously they don't want to admit that they are unethical, that they are gambling or that they're taking advantage of the way our brain chemistry works. Like those are never things that a company is going to admit to because it would cost them billions. So it doesn't mean like, I mean, it makes sense, but it's just like, man, EA, you, you are so close to flying under the radar. And the other thing that she said that I found just absolutely ludicrous is mm -hmm. she compared loot boxes to children's toys, like Kinder Surprise, uh, Hatchimals and something else. Um, that, uh, basically, I don't have kids, guys. I have no idea what most of these things are. Yeah. I know what a well, Kinder you know, Surprise yeah. is because the chocolate is delicious. It's not about the toy, guys. It's about the chocolate. So well, it's delicious. That, you get the chocolate. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but basically, she said, you know, you can go into any toy store and see these uh, these surprise gifts or these surprise toys and that's the fun of them is the surprise and so it's exactly the same as those things and i'm like okay first of all it's not really the same as those things i can see where you're coming from but mm -hmm. also i think you just proved that those are actually exploiting children as opposed to proving your loot boxes aren't like you're drawing a line to things like hatchimals and kinder surprise which are literally things that you buy not knowing what's inside that have collections you need to finish which are exactly like loot boxes and you need to buy them over and over and over and over in order to try to get the thing that you want mm -hmm. so you're actually just making the case for hatchimals to be taken off shelves as opposed to loot boxes remaining in games for kids <laughs> yeah it's again it just it, it... 
and yeah, the Hatchimal stuff is like basically a blind box. It's like you go into a store and you buy an egg, and then inside of it, I think, is like a, I don't know if it's a plushie, but it's some sort of like children's some toy. sort of collectible figurine yeah. thing. Yeah, and, and you know, I think I've I've never I've seen them in the stores. I've never had one, or or I'm, I'm not kids are not that age yet, but um, that that scares me. You know, like when I was a kid, all all me and my brothers were into Pokemon cards, and. You know, it was one. It, that's a that's a blind. You know, a, a blind box. Yeah, getting... that's that's another example. I yeah. mean, because we talked about this in terms of loot boxes in Hearthstone, because that's all card packs are. And we, I think at the time we didn't talk about Pokemon cards, we talked about Magic cards, but right. it's all the same. Oh, you it, buy yeah. a package that's part of a larger collection. You don't know what's in it, and you have a range of an idea of what could potentially be in there. And so mm-hmm. you know that you're going to get five of something. But you have no idea if it's going to be like five super awesome, amazing rare cards or if it's going to be five pieces of crap. And that's a gamble. So, you know, if, if it's the kind of thing where it's like maybe video games is finally making us assess some of these real world examples and say, oh, wait, actually, yeah, that does exploit children. That isn't actually what we want companies to be able to do that have like made a living or like built an empire in some cases around things that exploit our brain chemistry Mm -hmm. from in some cases a very young age like you say Hatchimals and and Pokemon and like that is very clearly aimed at young children I would say magic is probably a little bit more mature than you know some of the the like (laughs) a little animal plushie with adorable large eyes like that's meant for you know a Mm four-year-old magic cards aren't meant for a four-year-old but still it's like they're kind of getting us at every age group so well that's the thing like (laughs) they're conditioning uh, people early on which is i think unethical yeah and for me when when i was a kid i mean my brothers would get pokemon cards like i i feel i think about it now and i get that weird like just guilty feeling of putting my parents through this thing where we were pretty good but then there was these moments where you know my dad we lived in the country and my dad worked in town so he would get the i'm making it sound like i live in the middle of nowhere and horse and buggy anyways so he would come home from town and he would have these like three pokemon packs one for each of us oh he went and bought us booster packs and that's our you know weekend treat and he brings them home and he'd hold them out like like you would like you know okay everyone take one and totally random so now all of a sudden each kid at an age where they are impressionable are getting a blind pull, but then also getting a blind pull from a blind pull. So then that opens (laughs) up these conversations of like, and I remember very vividly like opening my pack and getting basic, not trash, but getting like nothing special. Then my brother's getting like a, a shiny Charizard and then the other one getting a shiny Venusaur. And it's like, well, shit, I feel terrible, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And, and then your parents, they don't understand what the hell's going on because it's Pokemon and they're just like, I don't know, they're cards and they play them and they have fun, but like, they don't, they didn't really grasp the concept of, I mean, they, they, I guess I shouldn't be so rude. They, they kind of understood a little bit about it, but, but you know, it's, it's one of those things well, but where they don't necessarily, when, when they don't play, they don't understand the importance of one card versus the other exactly. necessarily. I mean, it's the same when I'm talking about like Hearthstone, I can be like, Oh my God, I opened legendary a, and then also opened legendary B. And that was a big letdown. Like mm-hmm. to you, you may not necessarily understand that, you know, legendary a is very playable and goes in a lot of decks and is a very strong card. And, and legendary B is, is total crap. Mm-hmm. Like, cause you don't play Hearthstone, but 
like that that exists like you can still understand that i pulled two cards out of a pack and yeah. know that they're they're playable but yeah no that the, makes sense uh, the more good... intricate under understanding of the game means you know you get more upset when something doesn't go your way out of a blind box so yeah and there were those occasions right and thinking back i i don't i don't think my parents really you know, un, you know, knew how to handle it. And I, and I look at it now and I'm thinking, and now I'm also getting anxious thinking like, geez, what are my kids going to be into? And then that is a, the, the solution to the problem of the kid not getting what they want is to buy more. There's no yeah. other solution unless you go online and buy the card in which that costs more. And then I don't know, are you going to get mugged in a Walmart parking lot because it wasn't a real shiny Charizard. It was just a piece of paper and they had a baseball bat. I don't know. is that a thing that happened is this a story that you know (laughs) uh no not like not legitimately but like it happened like people like kijiji wars all that fun stuff it happens like you put an item online and you go to pick it up and it's not real they're just trying to take your money right that's the dangers of the online world and i and that actually has happened not to me but i i know of people (laughs) i see yeah uh, but yeah, so I mean, like, just the, the whole idea behind all of this is is more, I think, um, shining a light on some of these, these other products and saying, like, look, maybe this isn't something that we should be doing. Because I remember, like, when I was growing up, the stuff that I was into, I never really got into any of the, like, collectible stuff, the blind box, anything. And I mean, it's all over the place now. It's like with... Um, figurines and stuff too like Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of uh, figurines and pins and basically anything that's a collectible in this day and age is going to employ a loot box type mechanic where you don't know what is in the product that you're buying versus like i remember growing up and it's like i want a barbie what barbie do i want that one i can see it through the clear plastic (laughs) like (laughs) very directed consumerism and and that's what loot boxes are almost fighting against is that directed consumerism you're no longer buying the thing that you think that you're buying you're buying a thing that you hope is the thing that you want and and that i think is a, is a very dangerous feedback loop to put in your brain especially that early so i mean <laughs> i i am at the point now after like seeing all of this i'm just like man maybe like kinder surprise just shouldn't be a thing although i've got to say Probably Kinder Surprise is the most innocuous of all of this, just because I don't know anyone or any kid that has ever, like, had strong feelings about Kinder toys. I feel like Hatchimals are a little bit different. I feel like kids go in wanting a specific one. At least I've heard a whole lot of, like... If I've heard about them before today and I don't have any sort of, like kid or reason to know about Hatchimals, then like there's probably been some sort of controversy. But mm-hmm. in terms of like Kinder Surprise, I've never heard somebody say, oh, I got the plane instead of the car. Like nobody cares. They're in it for the chocolate. Those I feel like are Kinder garbage. Surprise, they are garbage. Exactly. <laughs> They're meant to be like put together and go, oh, woo, and then thrown away. Yeah. Like if anything, that should be more of a lesson in just make a chocolate bar <laughs> than like <laughs> the problems with loot boxes. <laughs> Look, I don't want to alarm you, Jocelyn, but they actually do make Kinder like chocolate bars that you can just buy. And, okay, yeah. well there you go. Let, yeah, maybe that's just you know they should just have those and not have the the throwaway we're killing the oceans plastic little crap toys. But you know, like I think that they are probably the the worst example of a loot box, or I guess like the the lowest uh, or the least offender of all of the things that are loot boxes now or loot box type blind box systems, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call them. 
Um, but I think like <laughs> as and I know it's super tough as parents because I mean, what are you going to do? It, I know that, you know, just tell your kids no. But I also know what it's like to be the one kid in the class that doesn't get the thing. My family was very poor growing up. We didn't get any of the things. My mom made my clothes like I didn't even wear jeans to school. Like <laughs> and so, like, I know what it's like to be the kid that doesn't have the thing. And that's really, really hard on the kids. And so you don't want to give in to the kids all the time. But sometimes it's nice if they're included. So let's say you're a parent and you're like, OK, I really don't want the don't want to just give them everything they want. I don't want to spoil kids. We don't have a lot of money, whatever the reason is. But you know what? This Hatchimal thing seems very important to him or her. And I am just I'm going to give in. I'm going to get them the thing. You get them the thing. It's not the right thing. And then all of a sudden it's like you've started this loop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, do you keep it going? Do you tell them to be happy with what they got? Like, do you? Oh, my God. There's just oh, it's it's such a, a nightmare and a minefield out there for parents right now. And I think that if anything, this throws a light on all of these blind box systems that we've got in place that are targeting kids and EA's loot boxes are wrong and if anything like tying them to real world examples of other kids toys that do the same thing is making me think we should outlaw the kids toys that do blind box things <laughs> yeah i mean they're it's weird because it's physical it doesn't it's the same laws don't apply like i mean kinder surprise you're like you said leave that one of those it's just shitty toys but like hatchimals <laughs> and and that sort of thing like there should be you should be able to tell what's inside. The parent should be able to tell what's inside. I think that's really important. You can yeah. still keep the mysticism for the children where they're like, oh, what's in the egg? And maybe there's like a little sticker say, on yeah, the back don't, don't they actually like, yeah, they, they hatch or something or like they, they take it, put them in water. They take time. I don't know. I, but there's there's I don't something know. like when you open them after a certain amount of time, you do a thing and then they, they hatch. Do you remember old electronics that you get and like to turn them <laughs> on, you had to pull the little plastic tag out? Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's, it's like that. It's probably like that. It's probably like that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so like, I don't know the ins and outs of how Hatchimals actually work, Neither but I, I agree that the, cause that's, that's the thing that they capitalize on, right? It's the same thing when you open a Hearthstone pack or when you open an Overwatch loot box, that's what they're capitalizing is mm -hmm. the, the opening, the moment of the surprise is the thing that your brain is looking for. It's the, it's the anticipation. And then the moment right before the payoff, that's, that's where the chemicals come in. Like that's the moment. So like, that's why Hatchimals aren't just a box with like a thing inside. They're they're a box with an egg that after time will do a thing and reveal to you. So it's a whole process. And so then you've got like you're right, Ryan. I think the way the way to do this properly, the way to get around this is to keep that like moment of surprise for the kid, but have the parents have some control over what's inside. And I think if you do that, but I mean, there's the, again, the, the flip side of that is from a business standpoint, that's a terrible business decision mm -hmm. because what you want is the parents coming back, buying over and over and over and over and over, hoping to get the thing that the kid wants. Right. So yeah, from I mean, a business perspective, it doesn't make any sense. And that's why I think that business practices like this should be regulated because what is consumer friendly and what is like child psychology friendly is to have some sort of an indicator, even if it's like, 
you know, just the barcode. Mm -hmm. Like even if you can go up to, cause I mean, God, all those stores have the, the barcode scanners on the walls, like price checker things now. Mm -hmm. So if you could like walk up to that and scan the barcode and have it spit out what's actually in the box or, you know, cause the kids are not stupid. Kids are going to learn that like, the the color of the box of the thing that they want or the where the sticker is to look for like kids will figure that stuff out so if they're really looking to hide it there's probably ways that only adults can figure things out but i don't know i just i feel like that's the right ethical thing to do which means that a company looking to make money is never going to do it mm -hmm. which yeah. is also why ea is is making stupid statements <laughs> like surprise mechanics <laughs> yeah i mean their logic i i think yeah the surprise mechanics is just another way of saying loot boxes but the ethical stuff is where it's kind of like you guys are should have stopped oh my god okay so did you actually watch the testimony i did not watch it i did not realize okay. there was a video so like yeah oh there's the video and this is what i mean like you really should go watch it because it's it's oh my god it's hilarious it's like you're looking at this woman and mm -hmm. the the i don't know if he's like a prosecutor or if he's like a, a politician like i am not a, a lawyer i'm not 100 percent sure but he is clearly the representative who is asking her the questions and he says something along the lines of do you think that loot boxes are ethical and the way that she looks at him she looks at him like he just like slapped her in the face and she's like loot boxes we don't call them loot boxes they are surprise mechanics and i'm just like oh my god <laughs> lady you're not helping yourself right now <laughs> Oh god, dude, it's so good. You have to find I, I will, video. <laughs> I will watch it. I will watch it uh, after the show. But yeah, it's yeah. I mean, we've talked about loot boxes. I think people know our feelings on uh, on loot boxes, but also know that we both play games direct with with loot boxes included. And I really think oh, hundred percent. I am not innocent. I am not. No. It's not like I'm not paying for Hearthstone packs. Like I am a hundred percent backing this system, and it's not because I want to or because I think it's good or ethical, it's because it's the easy way out. It's the best way for me to fill up my Hearthstone collection. So I'm just as guilty in all of this as anybody else because really what I should be doing is voting with my dollars and not buying Hearthstone packs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I uh, I don't... So, I use, so the funny thing with Fire Emblem Heroes is that it is a blind pull with a percentage of uh, of success that they give you that percentage of what you're going to get. Um, but they don't break it down by the hero. They break it down by like the, the pool. So it's like 3% for the special heroes that are currently on and 3% for other five stars and so on and so forth. But like you buy the, the, um, the power to, to summon basically. And you know, they had new heroes come out and, and I spent all of my free to play orbs on it and got like one, character like one five-star character and yeah that felt crummy but like i'm not gonna go in and buy more orbs because i've i know it's a slippery slope and i know i want to support the game but at the other at the other well, end yeah, of it like you, yeah so you have that amount of self-awareness that mm -hmm. a lot of people and and really self-control right because what they're trying to exploit with all of this from everything from grooming people at a young age with hatchimals all the way up through fifa is it's all addictive they are making use of addiction loops and brain chemistry in order to make people say, oh, well, I just spent all of my allocated money or orbs or coins or whatever the hell the free to play currency is in the game that you're playing. 
It's like, I just spent all of my currency on loot boxes. I got out of, let's say you bought 50. I got one of the thing that I wanted and the chances were that I should have gotten two or three. And this mm -hmm. is something that comes up with Hearthstone all the time because they have not given you percentages, but they have guaranteed that in your first 10 pack openings as um, in an expansion will give you a legendary guaranteed. And then the pity timer essentially is one legendary in 40. So every 40 packs that you open, you are guaranteed to get one legendary, but it's probably going to happen sooner than that because basically the 40th pack is guaranteed. So it's like, if you're looking at, at a set of things that you've done in a game, and you're saying, I got the absolute bare minimum. Like, I had super bad luck. It's it's slot machines. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's the if I just buy a little bit more, if I just open one or two more, chances are, odds are, I'm going to open something. But that's not how gambling and odds and things work. In most cases, there is no necessarily, like, bad luck protection. Like, yeah. Hearthstone put it in, but... I don't know if FIFA does it. I don't know if Fire Emblem does it. I think it's just like a flat out chance that like every time you open something, mm -hmm. you have a 3% chance to get the best thing, a 5% chance to get the second best thing, and, you know, a 50% chance to get a pack full of crap. <laughs> yeah, no, in Fire Emblem Heroes, they do have uh, a form of uh, bad luck protection where each time you summon, there's a it ticks up the percentage for the special heroes. So the focus mm. of that banner. So essentially so eventually it'll be at a hundred percent and you'll get one for sure. Yeah. So when I went through my 160 orbs, I think when I finally pulled a five star focus hero, it was at like maybe four or 5%. So it doesn't mm. climb, you know, it climbs based on how much you summon. So if you summon a full, so you get five orbs pop up. If you summon the full ring point, it go the pity or the uh, percentage rate goes up by 0.25%. Um, wow. which is not, you know, a, not a lot. So you can imagine going through 160 orbs, but a month and a half of, you know, saving because there was a bunch of banners I didn't like, um, that was gone in a morning. So, yeah, but the reason I don't buy into the game is because I have this example burned in my head because I want to keep playing Fire Emblem Heroes. I'm doing a podcast for it. So of course I want to keep playing, but I know me and I know what happened to me with Overwatch. I put $80 into it to have loot boxes and get a specific hero or skin in that game. Skin, yeah. And I didn't get it. And I was like, well, screw this game. And I have not played it since. And I don't want that to happen with Fire Emblem Heroes because A, I like the game. And B, I like the franchise. And I also like right. Nintendo, right? And the, and the same thing happened to me actually also with Overwatch. Might have even been in the same event. I can't remember. It was like but the I first wanted... event. Like the, I think it was the Olymp the first Summer Olympics one they did. Oh, it was the, yours was the Olympic one. Because I was going to say, mine was the Halloween one when they brought in Witch Mercy. Because that was like, Mercy was pretty much the only character that I played. Healer was the only role that I played. So I mm -hmm. kind of went between her and Zenyatta was my, was my two kind of go-to healers. And they showed off the Witch Mercy skin. And I was like, oh my god, I love that skin. That looks so cute i want to i want to use that that would be so cool and like you i spent whatever the you know best deal biggest price hmm. loot box package was that got me technically the lowest price per loot box um but i mean still it was yeah probably around 80 bucks um yeah and I opened all of it and I got stuff I didn't want and I didn't get the witch mercy and I didn't get enough of the currency in order to like craft it myself. So I never got the skin and that felt so terrible. Yeah. And like I contrast that with um, 
with Dead by Daylight that I'm playing right now that doesn't have loot boxes. There is a store full of cosmetics, but it's literally like you you go in and you buy their their currency. So it does still have that consumer unfriendly, uh, forget how much money you've spent step where mm -hmm. you spend your real money on your gold and then you spend gold on, and they have a fancy name for it, of course. You spend your real money on the fancy name currency, then you spend your fancy name currency on your cosmetics so there it is still one step removed they don't actually say this is a two dollar cosmetic and this is a ten dollar cosmetic but that's what it is but it's the way that heroes used to work and it's the way that i prefer where you have a price tag even if it takes a little bit of conversion you have a price tag on each individual thing and i'm never gonna spend eighty dollars on a cosmetic in dead by daylight because that's impossible I'm, I might yeah. spend $80 on cosmetics plural in Dead by Daylight because I might buy eight different skins for $10, but I've manually chosen each one of those, and that's much more consumer-friendly, and I feel better about it. Yeah, well, I think you and I are in the same in that you, if you love a game, you, you want to support it, and yeah. if it's free-to-play, even more so, and that's... That's where my Which Dead by Daylight isn't. It's cheap. No. It's like twenty or twenty-five bucks, I think, and then each DLC pack is somewhere between five and ten, mm -hmm. depending on whether it's just a killer, just a survivor, or a combination of both. Right. And the ones that have both are more expensive, obviously. Uh, yeah. And and that's that is the model in which, you know, they support content and then there is the the optional cosmetics. But you know, I I think for me with Fire Emblem Heroes, I will occasionally buy orbs not to summon a hero because I know that's a slippery slope, but I will I will buy like special packs that they introduce into the store just as a way to support the game because, and I'd say they usually introduce a deal that's worthy maybe once every six months, uh, but I, I don't know if we talked about it on, on this show, but the way the game works is there are special heroes and stuff and those heroes come into the game and they on occasion have offered, um, they did it once and it was, I think, in January where you could buy a pack of orbs that also came, I think it was orbs, which is the summoning power stuff. And then it came with one of the special five-star heroes. So essentially you could buy the hero as opposed to um, uh, trying your luck. And yeah. that bundle was over $100, which Jesus. is insane. And I was like, oh, no, like... That is not that is not good for me because I don't like buying orbs. And yes, it was a good value in the sense that if you're wanting to drop a hundred dollars on a free to play game, mobile game, but still, like that's that's what they put the value at for these heroes. So that should tell you what their opinion How much is. They usually make in orbs when yeah. people are doing random summons. Oh god, that's disgusting. They haven't done it since, and I think it might have just been like a kind of a test to see, and I'm sure they had people buying it, but I'm sure they also heard a lot of the well, like kind of winces, you know? What's absolutely insane about all of that is that that's the value that they assigned to it as it was probably like a deal, like an acceptable loss to them just to see if it was worth like if people would spend all in one go $100 or if it was better to go with these microtransaction loot box summoning type things where you do the orb thing and then you go, okay, well, just $5 more, just $5 more. Like, I wonder how many people, and I'm going to bet it's a lot, have spent way more than $100 to get a five-star hero. Yeah, that's what that five-star heroes? Yeah, five-star. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So so I bet that there are tons and tons and tons of people that have spent way more than $100 to get a five-star hero. And, like, 
that's insane to me, but you don't notice it as a consumer necessarily when it's just a little bit at a time. And then so when they come out with these bundles and they say, okay, well, this is going to cost you $100 and everyone, you know, flips the table and says, that's way too much money. It's like, yeah, but if you really go look at your bank account or your credit card or whatever's tied to your phone, like how much have you realistically spent in the last couple of months on this game that you play? It might surprise you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Never, never tally up what you spent. So just as a correction, <laughs> in case uh, folks are listening from the Fire Emblem uh, Heroes community. Uh, yeah, so sorry, was, guys. I don't play. No, so. it's fine. It was uh, $75 American for the bundles, which worked out to be uh, okay. over 100 Canadian. But it offered you 140 orbs uh, and some other currencies in game. We won't get into that. And then the five-star hero. So essentially, you were buying the orbs i think the orbs is a deal because i think 100 orbs that's that's the deal for 100 orbs and they gave you some bonuses there so essentially okay. like me as a person who uh is free to play and doesn't put more than 20 dollars into the game on special occasions at a time 75 dollars was too that was a step too far for me like i think anything yeah. over 30 was was too much um uh, but again it's a good it's a good value but like you don't you don't get that peace of mind back like once you've stepped over that line and, and again i know we've talked about this a lot and I've, I've talked about it a lot on summoners call and it, it, it's interesting the way these companies test and even nintendo's getting in on it which you know like innocent old nintendo like that's <laughs> that's it's crazy yeah uh, so that's going to pretty much do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can join our Discord channel at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also email the show at info at gamersinpodcast.com. You can visit us on the web for all our show notes over at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays, Ryan is at R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash The Gamers In and are also available after the fact over on Twitch. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.